The choice of a lawyer is important and shouldn't be based on an ad. If you're seriously hurt in an accident, you'll want all the money you deserve. That's called justice. But there wouldn't be lawyers if justice was easy. No, justice is not easy. It's fought for and it's won. At Brown and Crouppen, we fight for justice every day. If you want some, call 222-2222. Because at Brown and Crouppen, justice is our business. I'm gay. No. It's the morning after. KPNTFM HD2. Collinsville, St. Louis. Doug, what is this going to sound like when they're playing it between the hedges on November 4th? I'm sure it's intimidating. This needs to be the so new the third down off. song. Like, can Instead we of Timmy Trumpet? Yeah. Can you imagine that just optimistic? Place to go crazy. This is not the song, not the music you want to hear if you're a Mizzou opponent. Here's what they need to play right here. This little segment. Yep. They should have played this during Shane Beamer's postgame. Yeah. Just yeah. blasted them. He would have been too. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to TMA. We're in the Michelob Ultra studio. Some people are calling it a no-kill moron shelter. Mm. Michelob Ultra <laughs> no-kill moron shelter. <laughs> it's not bad, really, as a title. Uh, my name is Timothy Michael McKernan. Uh, that's Douglas Elvin Vaughn. Across from me is the Plowhawk in the Horton Watkins studios is Jackson Burkett. And now replacing Ken Strode uh, is James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency online at carltoninsurance.net. He's my insurance agent, Doug, and his number is 314-961-4800. Hello, James. Good morning. Hello, James. Seven and, and one Tigers. Fight! You're feeling pretty good. I'm feeling great. Uh, did you go to the game? No, I had to give them away last minute, but oh. somebody got to use them. I'm glad to see them. Oh, that's good. There you go. You uh, watched it, I hope. Absolutely. Okay. Maybe twice now. I'm just. Oh. Uh, is the uh, Colonel with us? Yeah, he's ready to roll. Yes. Good morning, Colonel. What's up, guys? James, I just want to say giving away tickets to the game at the last minute is the most McKernan move ever. I know why you guys are. <laughs> 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 you, you would assume that I would actually have the tickets in the first place to continue my ruse. Fair, fair. Yeah, sorry, sorry guys. Got a hangnail. Can't make it this weekend. But, uh, this game's out of line. Gosh. Tell him to stop, Doug. He's out of line. Uh, Colonel, I want to get your perspective on this. Opening thoughts. I feel like the first quarter against LSU, the final three quarters against Kentucky, and the first half against South Carolina combined some of the best football I've seen Missouri play in, in, in the last 23 years, going back to, to 2000. And therefore, obviously, that would take you back a number of years uh, because it's not like the 80s and 90s were full of magic. I really do. But then at the same time, the third quarter against LSU, the first quarter against Kentucky, and in particular the third quarter on, on Saturday against South Carolina, those were really rough. The first quarter against Kentucky was really, really rough. So we've seen Missouri play at what I think is a top tier college football level each of the last three games, but then at the same time, in those same games, we've seen them have some really off times as well. Um, do you see Do you see that, and uh, what do you think attributes to uh, these sudden changes? I, I think it's sports, especially college sports. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz last week, you know, I asked him, what's it? before the South Carolina game, what's it say that you're six and one? And I think you would agree. You haven't played a complete game. And he said, I would agree, but he said, that's really hard to do. I've seen two or three of those in my coaching career. I mean, and you guys might laugh at this, but I say this all the time. I think video games have ruined sports fandom Oh wow! because, <laughs> because team, fans look at it and go, well, just run the halfback toss pass. I did that 27 straight times, and it always worked. I took, you know, the University of Eastern Florida Technical College, and I won seven straight national titles. Like, you can win video games 73-6. to six. They, it, You're good on every possession on both sides of the ball. That doesn't happen in, in sports very often. I mean, you know, I cheer for an NFL team that it, literally pretty much every regular season game for three or four years, it, me and my friends watch and go, well, they were really good for like 12 minutes, and then what happened? Oh, by the way, they win 80% of their games. You know, So I think good teams are able – most teams in a 13-, in a 14-game season, I feel like are going to play their best game or close to it maybe twice. I mean, Georgia's done it one time this yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. And they won that game by 38 points. 
But really good teams are able to win with B and C efforts because the truth is you usually are going to get B and C efforts. You're, you're not going to have everybody playing well start to finish on both sides of the football. So I think it's a good sign for Missouri that they've really played about five and a half quarters in the last two weeks. And they have outscored two teams that are supposed to be their peers. I mean, we start the season saying if Missouri can just finish ahead of South Carolina and Kentucky, they probably had a pretty good year. They've beaten those teams by a combined 72 to 33. And there was no point. That game was over at 24, nothing. There was no point where South Carolina was any threat to win the game. And as much as you'd like to then win 48, nothing, like, winning 24-9 would have been fine. Yeah, I mean, take a look at what happened with North Carolina this weekend. Washington had their problems with Arizona State. Oklahoma had their problems with Central Florida. Um, I mean, Alabama, the previous week, had problems with Arkansas. It's tough to stay up every single week and perform and fire on all cylinders. If you if you do that, you know what you are? You're 1995 Nebraska. People are talking about you as the best college football team of all time. Yeah. Um, it, it just... It doesn't happen very often at all, and uh, yeah, that, uh, the goal is to be good enough that you don't have to play an A game every week, right? And you give yourself a little bit of a margin for error. One of the most encouraging things, I think, along these lines, is that some of the biggest problems they've had in recent games were, were mental problems. A bad snap from the center, a roughing the passer right at the end of the first half last week. It's not like they've run into anybody that's just physically dominant over them. Yeah, here's what Missouri has shown me over the first seven weeks of this season. They should not go into – they have no reason to go into any game, you know, afraid, fearing the other team. They can play – if they play their best game, they can play with just about anybody in the country. Now, in two weeks, if they go to Athens and Georgia plays an A game, Georgia will beat them. But they will beat – I think everybody in college football, if they play an A game, you know, but if Missouri goes down and plays an A game at Georgia, there's no reason to think that Missouri can't be competitive in that game. Gabe, good morning. What gives me the most confidence? Obviously, South Carolina, I think, started three true freshmen on the offensive line. So I'm not surprised to see the defensive line just feast on Saturday. But what did surprise me or impress me, I should say, the offensive line just continues to get better. And their biggest Achilles heel, kind of like Doug alluded to, was penalties. But I guess Eli brought in some some officials for the practice, and that solved all the issues because they had, I think, one penalty on Saturday. Yeah, that's what he said. He was asked, what what, you, what have you done differently? He said, we bought, brought uh, refs into practice, and they called penalties on guys during practice. Um, and, hey, if, if that's what's fixed it, great. But the line has blocked well all year. Um, it's it's just been, like you said, those, those penalties that have hurt them. Um, defensively, I looked it up this morning, and I was surprised. Missouri is actually allowing slightly fewer yards per play this year than it did last year on defense. Um, now, they're allowing more points, I think, is is the reason that people think this defense isn't good. But I think right now this defense is pretty similar to last year's. They, The buzzword on Saturday, there were two or three questions. Your defense just looked to play with more intensity. Well, I just think they played better. I, I mean, you know, they were active. They were flying around. But I, I don't know if it was because, you know, they were, were more hyped up or anything like that. They play, They played – Seven really good quarters. Their last 20 drives, they've given up a total of 19 points, which is obviously really impressive. First game in three years, they didn't allow a touchdown. My only question now is, okay, you've done that against two one-dimensional teams. Um, I mean, honestly, kind of credit to South Carolina for being able to move forward at all on offense with that offensive line. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. That is a non-functional offensive line. And I don't mean to take credit away from Missouri for what they're do- what they've done the last two weeks. But they haven't done it against a complete team yet. The next three games they play will be three of the four best offenses they face all year. And and so that's the big test defensively. Colonel, uh, brought to you by James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Uh, I know we'll spend plenty of time uh, talking on 101 ESPN on Friday about it and certainly next week as well. But uh, this week, with the equity that Missouri has with the record, with the ranking, and the anticipation that you know, barring an injury in practice or something like that, cannot be ruined until November 4th when you get a chance to play Georgia, sets up for 
one hell of a chance for Missouri really to capture uh, not just the state of Missouri and sports fans in the state of Missouri, but also college football with both the trend and the equity that it has for its performance on the field, but also recruiting-wise. Uh, so you, you're leading into what is, I think, the biggest road game for Missouri, true road game, not neutral side at Arrowhead, in perhaps our lifetime uh, as far as two teams competing for a championship still, and then also the recruiting uh, undercurrent, which can lay a foundation t- uh, on top of the one that is being built in 2023. Uh, what uh, can you tell us about what is on the table this week, Colonel? Yeah, I, I mean, they're going to, you know, I imagine that Cody Schrader, Luther Burton, guys like that will not take a practice rep till probably about Friday. Um, Eli wouldn't even talk about Georgia. He just talked about how excited they were to have a week off. And, um, you know, you, you get some rest. And then you still get two or three extra days to work on Georgia while Georgia plays next Saturday in, you know, a rivalry game against Florida that, uh, hey, some weird things happen in that game. I think it actually may be better for Missouri if Georgia wins that game. I agree. Um, And it just, it all leads up to, you know, everything about Saturday reminded me of going to games from like 2006 to 2014. I, I texted my wife from the middle of the drive over because I was in bumper to bumper traffic. I said, now I remember why I used to leave the house three hours early rather than an hour and a half or two hours early because it takes that long to get over there and, and get set up and everything. And it hadn't been that way for a while. Um, this is the game that you come to an SEC school to play, right? You have put yourself in position. I haven't checked the the rest of the schedule. I know Alabama LSU play, but all next week, Missouri is playing in one of, you know, two to four football games that are going to be talked about on every college football show in the country and all that. I think this would be a good week to get Eli Drinkwitz on some of these national shows that have a bigger audience than say, you know, Power Mizzou does, um, and get him some exposure. If you can get Brady Cook out there a little bit, if you can maybe get Cody Schrader out there a little bit, because those two guys have two of the best stories that, that you're going to find in college football. I think they can do all that. And then, oh, by the way, even without a game, Wednesday has a chance to be a pretty big day for Missouri football. And that is the day Ryan Wingo is announcing at uh, St. Louis U. Oh, yeah. Schrader's story is really remarkable to me, and I guess – the coaching staff gets some credit for looking at a guy, giving a, a walk on a chance like that. He doesn't really look the part. And, you know, it, it's one thing, I, I suppose, to recruit a five-star kid out of high school. It's another to admit that there might be a diamond in the rough here that everybody missed and actually give him a shot. And they, and they did. I, I mean, it, yeah, it's what made Gary Pinkle what he was, right, is that he saw something in guys like Denario Alexander and Sean Weatherspoon. And now those guys were obviously even, I mean, not anybody saw Cody Schrader doing this, except maybe Cody Schrader, to be quite honest. Uh, you know, 2,000 yards at Truman State, great accomplishment, but it's Truman State. You know, they're playing in the Great Lakes Valley Conference or something like that. And so really up until about three or four weeks ago, even I kind of watched games and thought, you know, good for him. It's a nice story, but I just don't know that you can – win important things in in the SEC if if that's your starting running back and he just keeps doing it every week and he has put all those uh, all that talk to bed um you know I I appreciated after the game on Saturday he said it's the first time I've ever heard him say anything like this he said you know I belong in this conference and I belong as one of the best running backs in the country and he didn't say it in an arrogant way um but but it's the closest he's ever come to, uh, you know, uh, lacking any ounce of humility. Hmm. You think he gets a shot in the NFL? Mm. It's pretty, I, that's pretty tough to see. I mean, maybe. Uh, but, you know, there are a lot of guys that have run for 1,500 yards in college that just – they're really good college football players. And, uh, and that's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all, you know. Uh, but if Cody's going to play in the NFL, he's probably going to have to – to, to make a mark covering kicks and punts and, and hope to maybe get a shot as like the third or fourth running back on a team. Uh, Plowhawk, you have a question for the Colonel. Yeah, I did. And this is kind of looking in the future, but obviously you want to keep this momentum for the next few years to become a powerhouse. Now, you know, the recruiting have been excellent. You know, obviously Ryan Wingo potentially come in and then the domino effect after that. 
But do you worry about when Brady Cook leaves about drink being able to recruit a highly touted quarterback? We don't know what the Horn situation is. He going to transfer? Is he going to focus on baseball? And also the offensive line situation. I know that's very early on, but is there a guy they're looking at? Are they looking in the transfer portal for a guy to eventually replace Brady Cook? Um, because I don't know if Horn is the answer to that, and I know you kind of want to keep the train going once he leaves. Yeah, I mean, they've got another four-star kid on the roster, freshman Jabari Johnson from Washington State. They've got a kid out of Tennessee they really like. Uh, his name's Aiden Glover, who's committed for next year. I'm sure this year and next year, you know, especially if, if Sam Horn and or Jake Garcia leave, that, that they might look at the portal. But that's college football now. Yeah. I, I mean, guys don't sit around to, to be backup quarterbacks. And so if guys aren't winning a job, they're leaving, and you better go find another one. I mean, if you look across college football, Michael Penix is a transfer. Caleb Williams is a transfer. Sam Hartman at Notre Dame is a transfer. You know, a, a lot of these guys are not at the schools they started at. Um, and it, it all kind of started with Joe Burrow. So that's just the game. And, like, I, I know that next year in the future everybody is concerned about, but just Missouri fans should not miss this season. <laughs> Worried about 2024 and 2026 and whatever. You know, and I'm not trying to, like, I get the question. Um, but I, I think that Missouri fans should enjoy the hell out of the next four weeks because, like, this hasn't happened in a while. Mm-hmm. I bet they recruit hard this week, oh, being 7-1, yeah. and, one oh, and yeah. their name is hot. Yeah. And, yeah. and what should be good news on Wednesday. You don't know mm-hmm. until it's there. but uh, And if it does become good news on Wednesday, I would think a transfer quarterback, which they shouldn't need next oh, year, but yeah. would want to be a part of that wide Absolutely. receiver room. That would be attractive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they will, and look, the St. Louis thing, this is, it is the start of what we have talked about literally since I've had this job. What if Missouri could keep most of these guys home? I mean, if you've got Winnery, if you hang on to him, if you get Wingo, there will be some ripple effects on that in the, in the transfer portal, maybe even in the high school ranks. You know, uh, these St. Louis guys all know each other. They all follow each other. They all keep up with each other. There could be some reunions of, of maybe wanting to play together again. And then, yeah, I mean, good players want to play with other good players, you know. Um, that So it, it kind of starts to, to snowball. Uh, Colonel, uh, you wrote in your 10 thoughts on a Monday morning, one of my favorite columns to read, by the mm. way, on PowerMizzou.com, uh, the scenario for Missouri in the college football playoff. I'm sure some people hear that and they just roll their eyes because – that's what people do when they think of Missouri football, especially if they didn't go to school there, and maybe even those that did go to school, they'll roll their eyes even more. But uh, it is in play. Uh, I think even somebody who hates Missouri would have to acknowledge that. So the question then becomes, does Missouri really control its own destiny? And I would say with 95% set of scenarios, they do, but there certainly are scenarios in which they wouldn't. And by that, I mean if Missouri won out, beat Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, Arkansas, and then Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss in the SEC championship game. But you have a really unique situation with a a deep Pac-12, but there's going to be cannibalization over the next month with Pac-12. Got to think Ohio State or Michigan is in no matter what, especially looking at their, their schedules. I suppose Penn State could theoretically get in there. Florida State's the one to keep an eye on. Oklahoma, Texas, uh, in 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 the Big Twelve. Um, so, how do you see this uh, thing playing out as far as Missouri controlling its own destiny? Yeah. So first, I wrote this morning. You know that Missouri realistically is ranked probably about where it should be because they don't have one of those you know true like difference making wins. That yeah, they beat Kentucky and and K State, and those are solid wins, but. Most of the one-loss or zero-loss teams above them have beaten, you know, somebody in the top 20, and Missouri hasn't done that yet. So that's certainly a thing. Um, We understand there are a million things that have to happen before this is a conversation that matters, right? Um, I mean, first of all, Missouri has to win five more football games. Uh, because if they lose one more, all this, all of that is, right. is out the window. 100%. So people say that there's zero chance – an SEC champion with one loss is left out of the playoffs. There is a small chance. It is not zero. And the way it happens, Florida State has to go unbeaten and win the ACC. They're the only team that can still do that. 
Oklahoma probably has to go unbeaten and win the Big 12 because if, if Texas wins the Big 12, they're 12-1. and one. They've beaten, you know, Alabama and Oklahoma. Really haven't beaten anybody else. Missouri would have at that point beaten, you know, Alabama and Georgia in all likelihood, and, and Tennessee probably would be a better win than anything Texas had done. You're going to get one Big Ten team in. I don't think you get two just because the rest of the Big Ten is just so bad. I, I mean, I, a big whether it's Ohio State or Michigan, the only thing those two teams are really going to be able to claim is a win over the other one and then a win over Penn State. Um, there's not a lot else there. Ohio, Ohio State, State I have Notre Dame. Yeah, Ohio State did beat Notre Dame. The Pac-12 is where this thing gets weird um, because I think it's the best conference in the country. Um, you know, I think up until last week, Washington had looked like the best team. Oregon lost at Washington by a field goal, you know. Um, but these teams are all playing each other. Utah only has one loss. Oregon State, people don't know, only has one loss. USC has two losses. They're not playing in the playoffs, but they're good enough to beat teams that have playoff hopes, you know. But the, the scenario there is what if Oregon runs the table and beats Washington in the title game and they're both 12-1? and one? Is a Pac-12 runner-up getting in over an SEC champion? Like, I hope we're talking about this in, in a month. It, it's nothing but random speculation because we do this every year. About week eight, the ranking, the playoff rankings come out, and we start saying, well, this team's going to do this, and, they, well, and then they play games and it all blows up, right? There, there's some weekend where you go, oh, hey, four of the top nine teams just lost. Uh, you know, so – I think it all works itself out. If Missouri runs the table, like you said, I would imagine there's a 90 to 95% chance they're in. Um, but again, all the things we're talking about, none of them matter if Missouri doesn't run the table. I mean, you go, you know, three and one the rest of the way, heck of a season, but we're not talking about playoff. Right. The, uh, the, the facts is, and I, I saw you, the facts are, I should say, you laid this out yesterday. Missouri is eliminated with a loss against Georgia, period. They cannot win the SEC SEC East. Right. Right. Uh, Meanwhile, Missouri would still have work to do, legitimate work to do, as you wrote, Gabe. I mean, it becomes the biggest game since, what, 2014 against Alabama, I would would argue, I I suppose, uh, as far as a big game goes. Uh, and then, then Tennessee becomes the next biggest game, just like that, because yeah. you got to win that to keep the momentum going and also keep yourself most likely alive. Uh, you have to win out. I mean, just period. That, yeah. That's all there yeah. is to it. And it's the same way as 07, 13, and 14, where 07, Missouri loses to Oklahoma. They're, I think, 6-1 and one at that point. They had to win the last five games, or they're not playing in the Big 12 title game. You know, the Kansas game wouldn't have mattered. I mean, it would have, but, you know, it wouldn't have been what it was had Missouri not gone 4-0 and leading up to it. They lose to South Carolina in 2013. If they don't run the table, South Carolina's playing in the in the title game, and there were actually a couple weeks there where Missouri didn't control its own destiny, where they needed South Carolina to, to pick up another loss or two. Uh, same thing happened in, in 2014, and I don't remember who the runner-up would have been in that year. Be in but, Georgia, because you know, Georgia beat Missouri that, that year. Yeah, badly. I think that was maybe yeah. the 34 nothing. Shut him out, yeah. Um, Nick Chubb season. You know, and, and and so they then had to run the table, or they're not even playing Alabama in that game. And same situation here. Even if you go beat Georgia, you are then tied with Georgia. Now, you have the tiebreaker, but you're going to have to go beat Florida, Tennessee, or Arkansas because – and Arkansas, I mean, because I think everybody can see Georgia maybe tripping up once. I don't think anybody sees Georgia losing two of its last three SEC. Right. They, they host Ole Miss, and they uh, have to travel to Knoxville, for the record, is what their schedule looks like, and then a non-conference game against Georgia Tech. It's amusing to me uh, that ESPN.com lays out the scenarios for the teams uh, who can make the college football playoff this morning in a column, and uh, they include Oregon State, and they include Utah, and they even include LSU. And by the way, I think they should include LSU. Uh, but they do not. They do. You do not. You do not think LSU can get in. There are too many teams that are going to finish with zero loss or one loss. And what that committee has proven over the last two years, by TCU getting in with the loss, with only one loss, and by Cincinnati getting in, is they still put more stock in the record than who the record was compiled against. I, I just don't see LSU even at eleven and two getting in when you're going to have a 
at least one team from every other league that has no more than one loss. Yeah, I suppose if I mean if they were to beat Alabama and beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, I, yeah, I, I agree. A lot of things would have to happen, yeah, I mean, kind of like would, LSU in 2007. Claim, I just don't think they get it. Right. I, I just think as far as a value Hail Mary play, they would be in there. Point being, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Florida State, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, Washington. Now you get into the teams with losses, Penn State, Oregon, LSU with two, Ole Miss, Oregon State, and Utah are all listed as how these teams get to the national championship game or the CFP, not even the game. And uh, Missouri is not listed. So that is uh, neither is North Carolina, but I would say North Carolina's loss on Saturday does make them irrelevant. You can't lose to Virginia and and then still be in the mix. Uh, right. Same about. with same with Louisville. The one loss is to Pitt. Pitt so right. There are 16, 16 teams with zero or one losses that play Power Five football. I discount North Carolina and I discount uh, Louisville for the reasons we just talked about. Yeah. Everybody else is alive. Like to write that story and not include Missouri in it is simply like it's poor work. Yeah. But it's because it's Missouri. It's not because there's an agenda. It's just that's the perception of Missouri, and I'm sure they're looking at, oh, they're not going to win at Georgia. By the way, Colonel, you know I enjoy arbitrary percentages that have absolutely no value. I've been communicating with some Georgia fans. One Georgia fan said 20% chance Missouri wins at Athens. Another one said 30%. Uh, what is your percentage? 20-ish. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's that's probably fair because, again, what you have to rely on above everything else, what you have to rely on is that Georgia is a little less than their best. Right. You know, and, and it's why, again, I think if Georgia loses to Florida this week, that removes Georgia's margin for error, and you get super angry right. Georgia in Athens <laughs> in two weeks. And that is not a good recipe. Um, you know, now I think Georgia's already going to be up for Missouri because of last, last year's game. You know, I, I think Kirby's going to convince them that everybody thinks Missouri actually beat them last year. <laughs> and so I, I think they'll get a good effort from Georgia. But I think if Georgia beats Florida, there's at least a little bit more of a chance that that they take their foot off the gas or make some mistakes than if they're coming in off a loss. And then converse. And also, a Florida win would bring Florida back into this yeah. conversation in the East. and. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just a believer that the fewer teams you have to worry about, the better. And then conversely, I would think the Missouri locker room would have all the confidence in the world that they can hang in there. They proved that they could last year and unfortunately just gave it away in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, I don't think anybody in that locker room should think, oh, gosh, we're going to get our you know, clocks clean down there. They should have a lot of confidence heading to Georgia. And what timing? Georgia's got it. They're going to beat the hell out of each other in Jacksonville against Florida. Missouri's going to be watching it. Uh, an extra week to prepare. I, it, it could not line up any better for Mizzou to have a chance. I would say if, if Georgia was coming off a Vanderbilt game and, and playing Missouri just the following week, that's a different animal. But the fact that Mizzou's on a bye and Georgia's going to have a tough game against a big rival, I think it sets up really well for Mizzou. Not that I'm predicting them to win, but that they can compete. Yeah, I, I, and that, that really, go to the fourth quarter in Athens with the shot to win the game, right? Whether yep. that means you've got a 10-point lead or you're down 10, like, what? have a shot in the fourth quarter. And I, I don't think any Missouri fan should ask for any more than that. Uh, that is the Colonel brought to you by James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency every Monday here on TMA, every Friday on Balloon Party. And, of course, you can read him and his wonderful staff's work, especially this week with the Ryan Wingo announcement on PowerMizzou.com. Thank you, Colonel. All right, guys. Appreciate it. There he is. All right, uh, thanks, James. Uh, Todd Reesing is not happy. Oh, welcome, James. Now you know you're kind of part of the show. James is such a homer. That's from Todd Reesing. I mean, guilty as charged. I don't hide that. <laughs> like that's an insult or something. You like the school where you went. Uh, James, uh, you are heading to Athens. I am. I'm so excited because my expectations are not super high. Speaking of being a homer, I'm not going down there thinking Mizzou is going to come out with a W. But if they do, the fact that I'll be there is pretty exciting. Unlike when we were in Atlanta, I expected Mizzou to possibly win that game. I gave him the 50 Auburn 50. game, yeah. not the Alabama correct, game. I correct, was at 13. both. And they absolutely did not deserve to be. I mean, as far as deserve, they deserved by the standings to be on the field with Alabama. There was a monster gap absolutely. in Missouri versus Alabama. Similar expectations. There was not against Auburn. Mm -hmm. That was a great team. 2007 was a great team. But the 2008 thing against Oklahoma and the 2014 thing against Alabama, those are two different They did, they did shut Trey Mason down. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Yeah. He had nothing. Thank you. So, you know, when you, when you don't set yourself up to be let 
shut down. I'm just going to enjoy a great atmosphere. The fact that we just talked about Mizzou's chances in, in the next six weeks to potentially be considered for the college ball playoff, albeit a long shot, just exciting that we're actually having those conversations on October 23rd. I love it. The it's thing great. that I want to see is, and I'm, I'm, I'll probably talk more about it on, uh, on 101 here in about 20 minutes, is what I'm trying to drive home to Missouri fans in particular, but then I suppose ca- casual fans were like, why do you guys talk about Missouri? Is that this is possible here. You know, and I've been feel driving like that for a while. I, I that that has been like the thing that is. I guess I don't know. I mean, I, my personality, I assume, and just in general, irritates people. But oh. with Missouri fans, it's like, well, you know, he's he's not happy with an eight wins. It's not that I'm not happy. I I don't like settling. It's just not how I'm programmed. I don't just want a paycheck. You know, and, and I think that there is an opportunity at Missouri to have greatness. It's not expected, but you don't settle. And not too many programs over the last 16 years have been a win away from playing for a national championship game in December. And Missouri has been. And that doesn't mean that it's Alabama or Georgia. I realize the budgets are different. But uh, I think the expectations when you have these moments prove that it is possible. And it it has been, but here it is yet again. And now you are playing, most likely, I think, at 2.30 on CBS for the SEC East against a team that will probably be on a 24-game winning streak and will likely be talked about decades from now as a standard in college football, as in the Georgia 2020s teams, you know, similar to the Alabama teens teams, the Nebraska 90s teams, the Florida State 90s teams, the 80s Miami teams. And you have that opportunity. They don't come around all that often. We're going back a decade to look back to the last time Missouri had a game of this kind of importance. And so there's nothing wrong with opening yourself up to being emotionally let down. And there's also nothing wrong with allowing yourself to be emotional and thinking about the possibility of, of, a, of an upset. But in order to accomplish, you have to visualize in the first place. You have to believe that something is possible. And then you set the path up to accomplish it. And nobody is going to be excited about January 1st. And you can say it's a January 1st bowl game. But it, 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 the, the reality is the bowl game thing has lost its importance. It's about championships now. And you have a chance for a championship. You want respect. You don't want 11 a.m. kickoffs. Win games. This is a program-defining opportunity. Do I expect them to win? Of course I don't expect them to win, but do I think they could be one of the best teams in the country? I do. And that has nothing to do with the fact that I went there. If anything, more Missouri fans dislike me than like me. I just tell you what I think. And I think this team against LSU in the first quarter, Kentucky the final three quarters, and the first half against South Carolina played as well as anybody I've seen this year, including Georgia, who, if anything, I think the reason why Georgia fans are going, yeah, Missouri might beat us is because they think Georgia might not be as good this year. And so they're a little worried, not necessarily about Missouri, but about Florida, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Missouri. So I think Missouri fans kind of reasoned away the fact that, oh, well, we hung with LSU and there were expectations for LSU. So, you know, hey, look at us go. F that. Missouri could have and should have beaten LSU. I mean, that's just that's the way that it is. You might have to accept some hurt in order to say that, but that's the reality. Connor Tolleson makes that snap. I think Missouri does beat mm-hmm. LSU. Now, it's not I'm not putting it all on him, but the point is it was there. And then you're talking about a top-10 team Absolutely. in November yeah. uh, going into Georgia. So they've been a hell of a lot closer to being undefeated, actually, than losing. Their two closest losses, actually, would be K-State and Middle Tennessee, believe it or not. These other things really haven't been in doubt, which is, again, to their credit. So from that standpoint, I've been around this for a long time, and I haven't seen many of these, but I have seen them, and that means that the possibility is there. And so I don't go, well, if they win eight games, it was a hell of a year. you got to seize opportunity when it presents itself because it doesn't come around all the time. James, uh, thank you so much. Thanks, always, sir. There is right, the great thanks, James, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Love your insurance. Yeah, I do, too. That's why I'm a client. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's online at carltoninsurance.net. Hey, it's Jackson here to talk to you about Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. My favorite part about Factor is the convenience of it all. These are no-prep, no-mess meals ready to go in two minutes. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. 
Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash McKernan50 and use code McKernan50 to get 50% off. That's code McKernan50 at factormeals.com slash McKernan50 to get 50% off. You know what I love almost as much as James Insurance? Jackson and your hair. Oh, yes, sir. Hair is feeling good, liking what we're seeing, and that's because I got a consultation from our friends over at St. Louis Hair Restoration. You know, I went there, they took a look at my head, said, yeah, FUE or a hair transplant, probably not in the cards right now, but we're going to put you on this finaster ride, just take a little pill every morning, super easy, and then this laser cap, which helps strengthen that regrowth, rushes the blood to your head, trying mm. to get some of that regrowth going. That takes about six minutes a night. I wear the thing, forget it's on sometimes even. So easy to do. And uh, it's all because I got a consultation mm. over at St. Louis Hair Restoration. Now they looked at Doug's head and said, how about some FUE for DV? And now I'm lousy with wisps. Look at, nice. look at my wisp here on YouTube. It's kind of fun to see it. Uh, oh, wow. I, today is the first to day I can really little, see it. Yeah. I mean, hey. I've seen it there, but now I can now I can see like the hairline forming. It does yeah, take like a little, little while. Chia pet. Look at that! Look uh, at that plowhawk! I love yeah. that. It takes a period of months before you really yeah. see much. Uh, when did you have it done? Was it June? End of June. Yeah. So coming up on four months. They say six to eight months before it really starts to grow in, and then a year before the full product uh, grows in. So it, you have to be patient. It does take a little while, but it's it's pretty much guaranteed that you're going to have your own hair for the rest of your life. Now you you've been transplanted with follicles that aren't subjected to uh, in the male pattern baldness gene. So if it's something that's bothered you, it's a great way to go. These people know how to do it. Dr. Polenga is one of the best, and the founder of the company, Greg Kreiling, they are both there to consult with you through the entire process. And I keep harping on this because a lot of people ask me, did it hurt? No, there's no pain involved at all. Some people get a little swelling. I had a little swelling on my forehead. Some people get no swelling at all. Really very, very few side effects. So if it's something you've ever considered, if your hair is bothering you, do something about it. We've got a great resource right here in St. Louis, St. Louis Hair Restoration. There it is. If you are injured in an accident, things can spiral out of control quickly. You may have medical bills piling up. You might not be able to work or provide for your family, and you're probably getting the runaround from your insurance company. You've been talking to about it. Well, don't fight this fight alone. C.D. Longo and Doug Biggs of the Longo Biggs Injury Law Firm will take all the complication and hassle out of your injury claim. They'll deal with the companies head-on and take the fight head-on, allowing you to get back to what's important, which is recovering from your injuries. C.D. and Doug are our TMA listeners. They are St. Louisans. They are trial lawyers. And that means they won't settle if there's an obstacle or complication in your case. In fact, most cases have them, and Doug and C.D. will overcome those obstacles and take your case all the way to trial if necessary. It's Longo Biggs Injury Law. They accept personal injury, wrongful death, brain injury, and other catastrophic injury cases. Go online at longobiggs.com. Remember, the choice of an attorney is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements, and you should think about that. Right. Uh, switch over to the YouTube that. at uh, 10 o'clock over to 101 ESPN. Uh, new skeleton debuts, what, next week or in two weeks? Plus? November 1st, I'm actually having a, a meeting with Marty and Tommy, I do believe sometime this week, to kind of hang... Kind of hash out the template I of thought, said I thought skeleton. Tommy canceled all the meetings with you. Well, this was before the tank lid <laughs> oh, um, okay. idea that could be a, a It could be a furlough causer? <laughs> I don't know. It could be a huge home run. So there's a yeah, there's there's a possibility. Delta there. Maybe he called Hubbard Corporate Minneapolis and said, hey, I got something tonight. You ought to all be doing this. Hey, Stan, <laughs> I found your right-hand man. Yep. Listen to Darren this idea. T. <laughs> there it is. Uh, we got the design, air, heating, and cooling email of the day coming around in a matter of moments. Jackson, anything that we haven't tended to? Nope. Tended to it. All right. Yep. There it is. Look at us, Doug. We're little busmen. Okay, we really are. Iggy, what we were you doing during the uh, Colonel segment? Uh, playing some golf rival. Oh, yeah, how'd you do? Uh, get that bat wing eight yet? Uh, I won't get that bat wing eight till 2025. You ever thought about maybe opening up the purse strings a little bit and putting a little $5? Yeah, maybe no. I'll get a tree for Christmas. No, I will not spend a penny on this game. So if I got you a golf rival Yeah, what if we all card? pooled in and got you Batwing 8? Yeah, I got you a $10 golf rival gift card. Mm. Would you accept <laughs> it? I don't think they have gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> Can you even get to Batwing 8 with just solid play on Batwing 7? That's a great question, Yeah, that's a nice question. Well, Batwing 7 is good, but when I get to Albatross Arena... Oh, yeah. Which you get two shots to either make an Albatross on a par 5... I think it's or like Pebble. the closest to the pin... In your second shot. And I played a guy yesterday that uh, 
had nine albatrosses. That bastard. And I, and <laughs> he I bought looked, bat wing eight, didn't he's he? He's got a bat wing eight and a cardinal seven. A cardinal seven is something else. I I'm in a cardinal six. Cardinal seven, I mean, uh, you can hit trick shots them, off yeah. of rocks and things. You need better clubs. I do. I just need to up one on all my clubs. Now, if they're five. a bat wing nine, aren't that like oh, extra? Careful now. Is that no, like double careful. diamond member? I like, think there is, but I haven't seen it. You need. It's like two. dealing with a nuclear bomb that's a little too much. Well, you need cards to move up. Yeah. Like uh, a bat wing, I have to get 200 cards to move to eight. Uh, I How got many cards to, you got now? I got to bat wing seven in. October of 2022. We're almost into 2024, and I have 71 cards. 71, Doug. Mm. I need 129 cards. I don't think you're going to get there. No, I, in 2025. No, so I have to, to stay in this. Cards. I have to stay in the same stage I'm playing because I can't go up. How often do you get a new card? I haven't gotten one in almost two years. Oh, not even one. No, I need one. I, I get the cards, but I need 200 of them to move up. A level, oh, and I'm at sixty. When I say sixty-seven, something like that. Seventy-one. Seventy-one, something yeah. like that. So I got a ways to go, but I just play now for gifts and coins and things like that. Well, I know it's difficult times. It's a, real, <laughs> a real challenge. <laughs> well, a lot of Americans are well, facing challenging yeah, times. Again, my, this is yeah. just another example, With another anecdote. It's my yeah. daily routine. Now I got to get ready because uh, my neighbor who lives next door to me. An apartment four. I'm an Hence apartment the three. Is he moving out? You can clean out his closet? No, he's he's moving out October <laughs> 25th, and then I'm moving into his apartment when it's ready because, again, I have to move for the second time in three years because of the pipe in my apartment. What's wrong with all these pipes? I don't know, but they have to dig up the kitchen again, so I have to move. Oh, Bill. So I said, I'm just waiting until he moves, and I'm moving right next door. But I still need to get some helpers to move the couch and yeah. chest and bed and things like that the mm. other stuff i can just box up and walk 10 feet but so i gotta go through all that again i gotta box you ever get stuff. those little sliders you put on the feet of furniture now and you can oh, yeah. almost by yourself slide big drawers and things and big furniture no, i just rather get some friends to do it and then give them some crap beer nice <laughs> oh. gesture <laughs> what, with a four-year-old coffee stout yeah. in, like, the middle of the summer? No, really, you can <laughs> imagine oh. opening up one oh, of those. I can feel the vomit. Strawberry margarita beer. Yeah. You can move some very heavy furniture with those pads that you put underneath them. Oh, we did. You really we, can. We just put, um, we rearranged our bedroom because we wanted to clean it all, vacuum mm. underneath. So we put washcloths just underneath our heavy because you don't yeah. want to take the TV down and, like, right. we just left everything on there. And oh, gosh. Slid like a gl- oh, mm-hmm. great. Of course, you still got to get over the threshold and everything. If you're leaving one apartment, there's going to be a bump there that you might have to pick it yeah. up. Yeah. That half a second pickup. Yeah, it ruins I mean, it's everything. Like your life is. Yeah. Like, I mean, the bed and the couch are going to have to go sideways to get into a door, so having it on rollers doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, your, it sounds like serious issues. How many people you need to come over? Yeah, as many as want to come over. I'll actually buy beer this time. But wow. it's going to be crap beer? <laughs> no, I'll probably buy some uh, McUltra. Nice. Oh. Sponsor the studio. Oh, that was a sick little weed. Yeah, that was nice. Oh. That was a very and nice And a bottle weed. of probably a Milagro tequila for you to do some wow. shots. Now yeah. you're oh. buttering up the butt yeah. right now. Iggy, why don't you text Lisa Ann to see if she will help you move? That's from Dave Hay. That's yeah, funny. <laughs> I think that we're would go see, over well. We're going to see a lot of them text if you like in the next coming weeks. <laughs> go over I am sure well. that the, between the rotten beer and then the berating that you gave the last guys who helped you move, they will not be offering. That's from Caller Drew. There's no berating. <clears throat> I apologize for having beer that was five years old. I don't know if it would be eight. To me, it's a coffee stout in like 100-degree weather. I could not imagine trying to guzzle one of those mm. down. It was chilly. Outside. Iggy moving. Oh, Riveting okay. content, boys. That's from Jimmy Buffett's cute feet. He is not happy with the show. It's all a tease for Renter's Roundtable. Yeah. <laughs> we're, just, we're planting little sunflower seeds. Next thing you know, boom. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our design air heating and cooling email of the day. Ever since I was a young whippersnapper, Sticks Baron Fuller's upper parking lot was our turf. So when my buddies and I went to see the last year of Santa Claus landing by helicopter, last thing I foresaw was trouble. But here came the Kirkwood Street Tufts, led by the hottest guy ever, to the point where he said, Take a, oh, I see, it will last longer. 
What does that mean? I don't know. I read what's in the prompt. Oh, I see. As I sheepishly apologize, he said, I'm just joshing. It happens all the time. Jump in and we'll paint this Crestwood town red. Eventually, we went parn. P-A-R-N-G. P-A-R-N-G. P-A-R-N-G? What the hell is that? Almost hard to understand what they mean. Yeah, some of them you have trouble trying to put them all together. Sorry for that one. It's kind of like a license plate. I live in Sunset Hills, right next to Crestwood. I don't know where you'd go in Crestwood to paint it red. There's not really a a bar district there. Maybe Rich and Charlie's? Maybe, I guess. There's a Pope still there. I mean, Helen Fitzgerald's, is, I think, is Sunset Hills. At Sunset Hills. Oh, Pitt, I didn't know O'Connell was closed on Sundays recently. Now well, there's right. Saturday wing special. Yeah, they took such a beating here last Saturday wing special? They, they usually have a Sunday wing special, but yesterday they were, apparently they're closed now, so it's Saturday wing special. Well, wings at O'Connell's. Saturday. Wow. Oh. They are, I agree. Kind of remind me of that brass ring I rave about down in Jupiter. Those are good. Eventually we went parng. It when I said ouchie. Doug, that's what the sentence is. Eventually, we went parring it when I said ouchie. I, I don't understand that. The smoke from Flaming Pit is burning my eyes. Oh, you guys went to Flaming Pit. Flaming Pit <laughs> was right there at uh, Sappington and Watson Road. So that explains it. Yeah. He said, you, he said, put your head in my lap to be safe. I immediately noticed he had unzipped his khakis and covered his love with the melted orange Julius we had bought earlier. Every Sunday, I am reminded of the incredible cold mouth sex we had when the announcers mentioned the 1977 Denver Broncos orange crush defense, and I get a monster erection. Oh. Uh, That's from a guy with the first name of Wang, and then his last name is Kerr. Wow. Kevin Miller. That is unique. I think you can say the whole thing. Kevin Miller. I can smell it a mile off. (laughs) Old people are so cute. My elderly neighbor, Chester, a retired surfboard inspector from Sedalia, <laughs> surfboard inspector. walks his dog around the neighborhood every evening. Normally, if I'm outside, he stops to chat on his way past my house. He's long-winded, and it's kind of annoying because, as you guys are aware, old people never know when to stop talking. This time, though, he didn't even make eye contact with me, which was odd. I soon discovered that Chester refused to look me in the eye because his canine had deposited a steaming pile of yesterday's kibble on my lawn and old Chuck didn't bother to clean it up. There's actually no telling if the mountainous plop came from the dog or Chester himself, but it was a healthy heap nonetheless. I heard an audible squish and glanced down to see that my white shoes were covered in murky brown mud. I was seeing red, and I'm not talking about Chester's ruptured hemorrhoid that was visibly seeping through his white pant either. I think that happened to Joe. The most embarrassing part was my visible erection. I guess stepping in that pile reminded me of the steamy, scat-filled three-way that Brad Kurt and I had on our final hole at the Hit and Giggle. Oh, don't say scat-filled. I kept saying, Bradley, wait until we get back to the patio so I don't get grass stains on my three-quarter zip. But Brad's wandering digits would not be denied. The final birdie putt dropped, and so did Kurt's undies. That putting green quickly became our bed as our three rotund bodies intertwined. Mm. It turns out number nine wasn't the last hole of the day after all. Four, please, JV golf coach now bottoming. JV golf coach now bottoming. The year was 2003. Hollywood's finest treated the Sunset Strip as their own personal playground. The poker boom launched No Limit Hold'em, the meteoric heights. Money was cheap and thrills were expensive. And it's here that served as the backdrop to the most exclusive underground, high-stakes all-nighter sessions the world had ever seen. The story of Molly's game went on to become a summer blockbuster, a New York Times bestseller. But what the headline didn't tell you was that there was another high-stakes game taking place just 2,000 miles east of the Viper Club in a rundown barn smack dab in the heart of middle America, although its story was never greenlit by a major studio. In a moment, the rest of the story... Hi, I'm Iggy, and I'm selling boner pills. Mm. I can't pronounce the active ingredient, and I usually lose track of the 30-second ad spot and ramble on for a few minutes about all the tasks I got to get done to get me my level 8 batwing. Use code TURTLENECK for 20% off some internet fish from the fabulous Fishco, which isn't on the books. Boner pills, because you like nice things. Isn't that Carol House? It is. While Molly's game played host to such players as Spider-Man, DiCaprio, Rick Solomon, the nation's greatest athletes, and the globe's wealthiest titans of business, 
Just a short 28-hour drive across America's heartland since a sleepy little farm town called Canton, Illinois. It's here where two brothers, often referred to as the Winklevi of Canton, hosted a similar high-stakes game where apparently, according to lore, thousands and thousands of dollars exchange hands each orbit. Nested cozily between dad's riding lawnmower and mom's potting soil bench sat the debt Deaver brothers. This is a Dever Deaver. Dever. <laughs> two entrepreneurial spirits who targeted Canton's inexplicably wealthiest dumbs and gave them an arena to chase the thrill of shorthanded poker. Sitting at the VIP table is the legs of Plowsy, a self-made pizza hut manager, shoving last week's paycheck and next semester's loan money into the center of the table in hopes of funding his addiction to Texas-sized cinnamon rolls, sour gummy worms, and a mouth-to-mouth Xbox Live subscription. A month-to-month, I'm sorry. In the two-seat set, Mace Dog. While it's unknown how Mace Dog amassed his high school fortune, we do know he was well-connected to the night shift manager at Breakfast John's, where he could often be found spending his winnings in a private booth with unlimited stacks of pancakes and bottles of chocolate milk. The three spots sat Matty Dreads. Matty Dreads was Canton's most popular pervert, who would go on to find success in the adult industry, where he'd become so wealthy, so sought after, that an unsponsored HG2 podcast broadcasting out of a kennel in a boiler room tucked away in the basement of Hubbard would eventually be the only media outlet to land his interview. That interview can be found in a hard-to-navigate app that is concurrently running two hard-hitting journalism polls ripped from today's headlines. The first asks the audience, have you ever been turned on by customer service rap? Oh. And the second poses the query, is getting the NIT tournament a big win for St. Louis? One of Jay's While Molly's game was eventually busted by the federal government, the Devers Brothers game is still played to this very day, pending the success of the town's soybean harvest. And now you know the rest of the story. Thanks, that's from Harvey Paul. Harvey? Oh, that's a long email. I know, yeah, and I, I, I got Buck Swope. Jackson, can I do it or should I not? Uh, I love Buck Swope. It's a good email, but we're going to be running really no! tight. No! It's already I, but He's going to come after me for this, but like we have a, Nobody's gonna another show to do. There is another show to do. Which yeah. is on the yeah, time-sensitive. Well, no. I, in, I enjoyed the callbacks to Flaming Pit and Six <laughs> Baron Fuller. I don't know where to go in Crestwood to paint the town red still, but I'm going to vote for the Chinese fellow, Wang Kerr. Yeah. I'm going to go for Harry Paws. Uh, well, that's a different guy than Harvey Paul, but assuming oh, Paul. <laughs> you're talking, I'm going Harvey Paul Dang, as well. Damn it, Congratulations, Lucas. you have won the Design Air Heating and Cooling Email today. Jackson and Buck Swope. Guess we'll save it for tomorrow. Oh, yeah, you Hopefully Swope it's evergreen. Went on about Lisa Ann and recapped that, so you wouldn't have won anyway. Oh. Uh, time for us to shut it down. we got to go. Bye.